Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Stratford, Brandon Jones, Michael Palmer. And today we have a special guest talking cybersecurity. But first, as we always do, Brandon, how are you doing on this morning? What's new in your world? I'm doing super. What's new is that we've got someone sitting in the Elon Musk chair. It's exciting. Yeah, it's a real live human being. Uh, Amjad Safarini. Uh, Amjad, hello. Hello. Hey, guys. Good morning. Hello. Amjad is the CEO of CyberVista, which is a cybersecurity uh, training company that is a sister company of Kaplan. Uh, is a uh, longtime friend of both Mike and, uh, and me, a, a colleague here at Kaplan before going off and starting a new venture under the Graham Holdings uh, umbrella uh, in CyberVista. Uh, Amjad, we're super excited to have you here. I think you've listened occasionally to our show as well. This may be a first of- Occasionally? Less than occasionally. I, I, le- yeah. Less than occasionally. <laughs> he's, he's a long, t- long time listener. I'm you, a long time listener. You did start early. I was a big fan. Yeah. And uh, I, I promulgated the religion. That's, of the that's great. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was, in fact, I think uh, we talked about potentially doing something of a live show at ASU GSV. Yes. Um, and you guys have talked a lot about ASU GSV. We sure have. We have. It's time that you talk at ASU. I, I, like, I it. like that thought. I yeah. like that. Yes. Yes. So we'll consider that. We'll take that under consideration. That's, that's good um, customer feedback. Yeah. <laughs> so you have, you were an early adopter of listening to trending and education. Did you make it, or did you get out of the trough of disillusionment? Because I imagine we've got all of these former <laughs> listeners just in the trough there. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're coming back out. I think you, you've probably got high uniques and uh, lower consistency. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, Amjad, you're using all your industry terms. Yeah. So uh, welcome. We're, uh, we're happy, to, uh, happy to have you. Yeah, we're excited to talk about uh, cybersecurity because I don't think we've ever officially covered it. I think we've, we've touched on it. We've touched on it, but uh, but we wanted to go deep. And then you're our uh, our industry we've, expert. We've name dropped CyberVista in yes. the past on the show. Yeah, and I believe mm-hmm. I believe Dan may have prepared uh, uh, some sort of uh, is it a quiz of sorts, Dan, to to kind of kick off the show. It is a quiz in honor of Amjad being here. We're gonna have a quiz on cybersecurity movies. give you the year i'm gonna give you a description and then you have to tell me what the movie is you will work as a team mm. all three of you can work together to oh, name yeah. the movie yeah, that's good mm-hmm. we're, we're a team here collaboration uh, even over competition Correct. we're gonna start in 19 voices or well there's only there's usually only three of us yeah. so uh yeah. I, we can't since it's a pod we don't we're getting a real-time feedback to see if people can tell who's amjad all right. It's yeah. me. Yeah. We could all, maybe we could all introduce ourselves whenever we answer anything. And be like, this <laughs> like is Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And I think, yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to 1983 first. Ah. 1983. High school student hacks into a military supercomputer in this yeah. classic and activates the U.S. nuclear arsenal. Yeah. At a time when most people didn't know what hacking was. Mm. We like this. We, would, you, it. would you like to play a game? Would you like to play a game? And, and it was it was the the Whopper, I believe. The Whopper right? was the name of the 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 machine, and it was a it was Matthew Broderick, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. It was in a young Matthew Broderick. Uh, Amjad, as our industry expert, what what would the correct answer be? I believe the correct answer is uh, War Games. War Games. All right. Ding ding ding. We have a correct answer on our first one. Up next, 1995. A teenage hacker is back on the scene seven years after being banned from computers for writing a virus that caused the biggest stock exchange crash in history. He and his friends must prove that a sinister super hacker is framing them for a plot to embezzle funds. Mm. 1985. 
85. I thought you said 90. Oh, sorry, 1995. My fault. My fault. 1995. Which is it, Dan? I don't know which one. 95. Way to... 95. And I can give you an, an actress who is in it as a clue if you need one. That was like a fake clue. Mm. You know? It was, yeah, it was a uh, uh, distractor. Was designed to distract. I was ready to go with uh, Sandra Bullock there for a sec. Yeah. But, but the, I don't the net. The she net. did the net, yeah. right? But yeah. that, she. And this isn't sneakers, right? Like, I always want to guess sneakers. <laughs> like, that was going to be later, but I'll, oh, I'll keep that one on the show. Oh, rats. Uh, can you give us another clue, Dan? Is there... Uh... Angelina Jolie is the actress Ooh. who was in it. Mm. Uh, one of the oh. key uh, lines in it is, hack the planet. Hack the planet. And I've said the title of the film a few times already. Oh, it's Planet. Oh, is it hackers? Hackers. It is. I think it's hackers. Hackers. correct. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, like it's the right nice in front of you. The nice thing, Amjad, is we keep getting clues until we get it right. So, like that's that's what's nice about it. If we're having trouble, we'll 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 land it. Oh, it's like, like I mean, a tu- you know, it's like a tumbling run. I was gonna see you guys talk about scaffolding a lot. All I mean, that. So yeah. Yeah. It's good learning. Good learning style. The Vygotsky would be proud. <laughs> we'll do three more quickly. In 1998, a lawyer isn't aware that a videotape in his possession proves a congressman was murdered for opposing surveillance, surveillance legislation when he becomes the target of a corrupt NSA official and his life begins to fall apart unless the help of an ex-intelligence operative. Mm-hmm. I can give you two actors as clues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brandon. I think I already. I, think, I, think I used all one. my guesses. <laughs> I guess Planet for the last one. So yeah. I was. I, I Will Smith got this one. Gene oh, Hackman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, Gene Hackman. Yes. Enemy of the state. That's right. right. Yeah. That is correct. We go back to the '80s for our next one. 1982, I do believe. No, yeah. no sorry, 1984. This is uh, one I always mix up with war games, so we'll see if uh, it's... When 11-year-old Davey sees the murder of an FBI agent, the dying man hands him an Atari video game cartridge with military secrets. Mm. Dabney Coleman. Is the, like yeah. say it again. Dabney Coleman, of course, Dan. Dabney Coleman. Yeah, we're, we're big Dabney <laughs> Coleman fans. How can you not be? I mean, I like him fine. I just don't remember his uh, body of work. Dan, I think right. we're going to give you the ceremonious, ceremonial guess on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Cloak we... and dagger. Cloak yes. and dagger. Oh, no, I was just going to say it. My mic was muted, I think. Thank you. Yes. Cloak and dagger. Thank you for that one, Dan. All right. <laughs> Last one here. This, this game's the best. <laughs> you're, you're a big fan, right? Uh, we're going to go to uh, 1995 again. It was a year of uh, hacking movies, apparently. A computer programmer who lives in a reclusive life is looking forward to time off when she becomes aware of a conspiracy. Her vacation turns into a nightmare when someone tries to kill her and her identity is stolen. She must prove who she is while trying to figure out why someone wants her dead. It's a Miss mm. Congeniality, right? Mm-hmm. I, mean, right. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Is that, is that right? Uh, that's the correct actress. You've already said the movie title during this uh, run-up. It's The Net. Well done. Well done. The quiz has been completed. You got an 80. 80s are good. They're Bs. They're solid B work. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll share your score later, Dan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was grading you on a different scale. <laughs> so hey, it's kind of uh, funny A-plus. because you know, all of those cybersecurity movies have very little to do with cybersecurity itself. And they're all in the real world. Yeah. They're all really old too, right? I mean, like generally, there weren't a lot of recent right. uh, cyber references in there, right? A lot of '90s and uh, and '80s stuff, and uh, more of the activity, I think, is really picked up in this century. And is is that That's right. is that I'm uh, just common sort of um, not just is is the sort of whether it's Hollywood or just general perception of cybersecurity is that 
as you said, the, the Hollywood perception is different than uh, than what's the, so the real world of cybersecurity. Is that is that true of like what generally people think in the world too? I think people probably think of cybersecurity the same way it's portrayed in the movies. Yeah, that's, and, uh, that's probably why they make the movies. And, and how is how is it different in in your experience? Well, I think uh, a lot of what you see as rapid action sequences dramatized in Hollywood are are um, they happen a lot more slowly yeah. in real life, right? So things take a lot longer. Um, There's more like putting burritos into the microwave, right? Like, <laughs> be like hmm, I, I'm gonna have to work all night. Where, where's my hot pockets? You know, like, yeah, but that, that's less uh, compelling. Um, uh, although working in Washington D.C. and we have a view of all the bridges heading into and out of Washington D.C., like the rush hour is very different than New York. You tend mm. to notice the rush hour starts around two thirty. Ends around four thirty, <laughs> <laughs> and so again, this whole notion of sort of overnighters, um, mm. I think, is a little. You take your hot pocket at home, probably. <laughs> Thank you. Well, too. Yeah. And uh, and uh, maybe less movies, but more uh, television uh, stuff. Uh, you are Amjad. Those of you who can't see him, which would be everyone uh, besides us, uh, Amjad's wearing a Mr. Robot T-shirt right now. So, television has covered cyber in the 21st century mr robot in particular uh mm -hmm. is are those treatments any better or are they similarly bad no the hacker community was really excited when mr robot came out because they had this uh consultant industry consultant who was really kind of plugged into real hacking and and the kinds of things that typically happen and so they took really great lengths to make sure that the show portrayed real life in mm -hmm. a big way so they would actually teach the actors how to do the keystrokes and the screens were not sort of fake screens. They were real. What, what you know, kind of, what kind of hooded sweatshirts to buy? Like kind the, of, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And of course the characters themselves. Yeah, sure. You know, there, there's a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a hacker. Yeah. Kind of too vibe. close to home kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Elliot. I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, we jumped right in. We jumped right in, Dan. Uh, I hope you don't mind. The water. I, I, I never. Yeah, I never mind. Yeah, uh, yeah. As uh, you know, we, we break down uh, a variety of topics here, Amjad, you, you gave us notes to start uh, off here. And I thought it was really interesting at the top of uh, that cyber uh, employment and cyber education is a bit uh, you described as the Wild West uh, right now, trying to figure things out, see your way through other professions sort of have a clear path forward. Um, what's the landscape right now uh, in cybersecurity employment, cybersecurity education? Uh, sort of give us a lay of the land, then we can jump f uh, forward from there. Sure, yeah. So it's, it's um, really interesting. So as, uh, as you guys had, had mentioned, I spent a lot of my career at Kaplan in the more traditional fields. So got to know the fields of medicine and law and, and uh, you know, later on finance and some of the other kinds of areas that we traditionally instruct and teach people at, at Kaplan. Um, seeing cybersecurity really opened up my eyes to, to the concept that some disciplines are just really not very well developed. You know, they haven't had 3,000 years to make their way through the ringer and evolve. Um, and it's a really, it's a fun environment to be in because of that. So people don't really know what competency looks like. Uh, they don't know what competency is supposed to be. And so, you know, typically in our world, we'll say you either have a test blueprint and so you're teaching to the test. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't have a test blueprint, you'll go out there and you'll do a cognitive task analysis, or you'll spend some time with experts in the field. And, and that's always great. Because you get to that, uh, you know, what Boris Saxberg, I think one of your previous guests had had called, um, you know, had called sort of true expertise in the inside the mind of the expert. And, um, 
and you find that there's a wide variance of that in cybersecurity. So a lot of the field is actually just trying to define what competence even looks like or mm -hmm. what competency looks like. Um, so that that's exciting to be in, um, still being defined. So we feel like maybe uh, folks felt a few thousand years ago and they were saying, oh, you can cut people open and, and this medicine thing is really interesting. <laughs> um, that's how we sort of feel when, when it comes to cutting into I mean, There's probably some, some, some patients that have died along the way in those thousand years. Are there uh, patients that are dying these days, well, the, the equivalent of that in absolutely, cyber? Absolutely, right? I mean, you hear about it in the news all the time, of course, and, and there's you know probably uh, a much larger iceberg below the surface that you don't hear about as much um, in terms of uh, the kinds of breaches that are happening, the kinds of sort of failures of trust in general. Um, you know, we're recording this a few days after the tragedy down in, in Florida. And of course, the attention went right away to what kinds of things were being said online and where are the signals. And, yep. you know, a lot of that is very similar in the intelligence community. They're looking at very similar things. You know, what what is being said and how do you pick up on those signals? And how do you weed that signal from the rest of the noise? And uh, cybersecurity is really a lot about that. It's a social science as much as it's a computer science. It's also interesting, uh, you're kind of touching on it, like part of what makes it the Wild West is that the skills you learn today are gonna evolve. Mm -hmm. And two, three years from now, the way the, the particular types of threats are probably going to be a couple of generations uh, down from the threats we're facing today. So. Can you talk a little bit about how it's both teaching skills and also teaching like a mindset and a way to approach uh, problems? Because that's, I've gotten the benefit of a little bit of your tutelage, but, uh, but can you talk a little bit about, about the, the nature of uh, both the skills and the ways of thinking that are necessary for good cybersecurity? Yeah, so uh, to, to the listeners out there no, that don't know, Brandon, both, both Brandon and Mike have been you know, influencers on CyberVista, in some cases, direct advisors to CyberVista in terms of how we do things. So a lot of the theory that goes on in the, in the studio here actually gets applied at it in, in CyberVista universe. Nice. I hope that's right. Um, <laughs> it, it seems to be working yeah, out so far. Sure. Uh, but to answer your question, Mike, we do end up with, um, you know, we do end up with this sort of notionally, the idea of learning to learn being more important than the knowledge itself, right? And, and sort of, and it's especially important in cybersecurity because you tend not to have formal education playing as big of a role as in typical industries or typical disciplines. And so you don't go to four years of undergrad, then another, you know, three, four or five years of graduate school. And at that point, it's sort of been beaten into you how mm -hmm. to learn and that you're now moving forward with that. Um, so with cybersecurity, you know, the, the, you, you have that downside of, of not having formally learned how to learn. Uh, but the upside of it is that uh, professionals in cybersecurity tend to self-select into the field and they tend to be organic learners, right? They're all about Googling and talking to people and sort of the informal learning is a nine out of 10 mm -hmm. on, on the scale. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that part of it, I think, lives on and we're trying to figure out how do you bring those both components together, the formal learning as the discipline matures, but also keeping that informal spirit of learning alive too. Yeah, I think it's... Um... And just, just go back to something you, you just said about uh, cybersecurity, not just being a computer science, but also social science. Mm -hmm. I, I think that sort of in, we talked about in that excellent quiz that Dan ran, um, sort of Hollywood interpretation of it. It's, it's often about the code or about the, the program, the virus, et cetera. But, but it's, it's really, it strikes me just thinking, reflecting on what you just said, it's, it's so often about the humans involved. And so um, I think that the, the idea of, of training 
humans, which is part of the business that you're in, um, on not just the, you know, what to, how to, to, to discern signal from noise, but also like what to do when, when you do see signal and how to experience, you know, how to imagine the humans on the other side and what do you do in that circumstance. Um, I think that's pretty interesting and there aren't hard and fast rules for that, but um, having people more practice, uh, more practiced and, and uh, re- feeling more ready. I think that's, uh, that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it really is all about behavior change at the end of the day when it comes to the human side of it, which, as you correctly said, is, is 80% of the game. Um, and so beyond the typical security awareness, don't click that link uh, because it looks malicious, that sort of stuff. There's a whole world of um, cybersecurity is not something, it's everything. There was like a Brookings Institution article this morning about that. And um, the whole concept of that is there's sort of this asterisk that now lives on to everybody's profession. And that asterisk is called cybersecurity. And you yeah. now have to kind of know something about it mm-hmm. if you're a doctor or a lawyer, an accountant, you know, whatever your profession is. So for us, it's exciting to be in the training space. Um, our phase one, our, our evolution and our evolution was really all about training the practitioners in cybersecurity, folks whose jobs is going to be cyber full time. And what we're evolving into now is getting into that asterisk, into that world of, well, what kinds of cyber expertise do does everybody need to know? Do you and I and you know everyone else um, need to know in our in our various industries? Um, so it's exciting to be kind of on that journey. We've started with boards and executives. We spent a lot of time with them. Um, not your typical cyber kind of demographic. Sure, didn't grow up as engineers most uh, by and large, and so yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting problem to solve. Yeah, it really is. And uh, it comes back to, to kind of taking it to the risk perspective. You know, this is uh, essentially all about human behavior, all about cyber risk. How do you think about mitigating risk? And it's helpful in general to, to kind of know how to manage risk. Um, and it translates to cyber, but translates to a lot of other things in life. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and in theory, like the addressable market for this is the whole <laughs> world. I mean, that's the all of uh, all of commerce. Um because there's, a, as you said, there's an asterisk that everybody needs to know a little bit of something. Yeah. On the on the knowing a little bit of something, how about how is there other fun things like that our listeners could could learn about cybersecurity and like in a in a short little micro session here that could you know make them make make you all listeners sound sound like you know what you're talking about like you're you're at a bar you're talking cybersecurity and you say yeah. like what are the cool things I, like, I I wanted to go there I had some I had some turns of phrase I'm sure you have some okay but uh but the one the first one I was thinking of was obviously the dark web. Mm-hmm. So like, Oh, that's a good one. You're, you're like, you understand stuff about the dark web or right. you could at least present as though you do. Right. So the dark web yeah, is more of the latter. Dark web is, <laughs> it's a thing, right? The it's, dark web. It's a thing. Yeah. So I like dark web is interesting. Right. Yeah. Uh, the idea. That's like a first, that's a first drink turn, turn of phrase. Yes. Yes. So then, it gets, you know, it gets deeper. Sure. So there's the dark web. Yes. And then below the dark web, there's the deep web. Oh, deep web. my goodness. Yes. Now we're talking. Is, are there, is there any, uh, is there any uh, like overlap between the dark web and the deep web? Like, is there like the, the dark and deep web? Or is it like there's a hard <laughs> cutoff? Like a good it drink. stops getting dark. <laughs> the dark and stormy web? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then uh, there's stuff like uh, there's like threat surfaces, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's uh, what what else is there? What are, what are some of the other 
interesting turns of phrase uh, within the industry. Well, I'm not sure you can get someone to pick up your tab by just throwing those words out there at a point. <laughs> no, no, I mean, we'll, we'll test. <laughs> I keep trying. I think we could test later on to see whether we could uh, articulately bring as many of the cyber words into a, into a, a sentence or two. But I, but I was just wondering, are there other, so like th threat surfaces, uh, as I understand it, is more like, you know, vulnerabilities and like dimensions of vulnerability based on whatever your, your system is. And then when you open up a new like mode, this is why like the Internet of Things, for example, opens up a different threat surface, right? So was that acceptable usage? I think that's a really acceptable usage. Thank and, you. and a great topic too, yeah. by the way. Everybody has an Alexa these days sure. in their home. And uh, I, I, have two. I refuse to, to put an Alexa in my Is home. that right? That's yeah. where I draw the line. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, you know, by definition, of course, for Alexa to work, it has to be recording all the time. Sure. Um, and so I, I just have a problem with that um, mm. in general. But but yeah, I think Mike, you're 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 onto something. You're onto a lot of things actually mm. in that. Um, so most people think of threats and threat surfaces as, uh, well, the things we were talking about in the movies before. You know, the Russian hacker or right. North Korea wants to do something, and uh, certainly there's a big part of that. We call that nation state, but um, but the biggest threats are actually insider threats, mm. um, and. Uh, and most of the time, unwitting insider threats. Mm. So it's not even that you're trying to be a malicious actor, Brandon, but maybe you do something and accidentally, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you find yourself leaving uh, the entire database of Uber riders completely exposed on an Amazon, you know, AWS bucket or something like that, which sure. was actually a real story of what happened. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you start to see a lot of these kinds of um, accidental breaches take place. And it's unfortunate. It's something that could be avoided, human behavior again. Um, and we're catching up to that. So it's, it really is the, the hygiene, you could call it cyber hygiene. You know, yep. if you're going to be a doctor walking into an operating room, first thing you always do is- Got to wash your hands. Wash your hands, right? right? Yeah. So, so people just don't know what that hygiene is. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. And then, still, and then even young. getting them to maintain that hygiene is the other thing. Because like, particularly in the field of medicine, like medical errors, like, it's not like people don't know. It, folks who are working in a hospital, it's not like they don't know they should wash their hands. It's just- at the end of a long shift, they're getting tired, they're going from routine to routine, and they're just not really thinking. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I imagine it's similar. Uh, do you guys have stuff for people to put on their desk, like just to kind of stay vigilant, you know, because it's almost like you're trying to train us out of our natural habit to start to drift, you know, because like staying diligent is difficult yeah we do it's uh so for example we mentioned the boards and executives before and we do make postcards for for boards and execs that have some of these basic hygiene tips um typically boards and execs travel quite a bit as you guys do and and so being on the road requires a different kind of cyber hygiene than if you're at your home or in your protected kind of work network um so there are some things that we that we share with people how to use two-factor authentication mm -hmm. um how to use password keepers, um, VPN, um, and not only that you should do it, but to your point, Mike, why you should do it. Mm -hmm. um, the patient will die if you don't watch it. <laughs> so what happens if you don't use a VPN? Well, you know, nobody dies, but uh, your company might get exposed in a, in a way that you otherwise prefer not to have it exposed. Mm -hmm. Now, Anjad, you were talking uh, before about dealing with CEOs and, and, and the, um, that 
world now of trying to educate them. How much of a challenge is it to educate people on things that they need to know, but don't necessarily seek out? Like that you, you need to convince them, one, these are things you need to know about, and two, keep them engaged on, on things that they may not necessarily be you know, running to, to learn about every day. So we're, we're unfortunately, we're in a reactionary cycle these days. So uh, we, we also are in a cycle in the world where attention spans are very, very short, right? So you hear about some big event that happens, whatever it is, cyber or otherwise, and then 24 hours later, you've basically all but forgotten about it and you've moved on with your life. And, uh, and so with cyber, it's no different. And so there's a sort of window of opportunity that we have um, to, to, be, to talk, to have that conversation with folks. So, you know, executives will hear about a peer company that might have gotten breached or have had a big incident. And right away, there's a immediately a C-suite conversation, a board level conversation that takes place. It's almost guaranteed in that peer group. And so one of the things that we're looking to do as we're in that conversation is to say, well, what are the things that you can do today? You sort of create that grabber, as my kids would like to say. Mm-hmm. You create a grabber and, and even if it's a small thing, you can hold on to that thread and then leverage it to, to create kind of longer lasting engagement um, with that audience. Mm-hmm. But it's really difficult. You know, it's like buying insurance when you don't have to buy insurance. It's, it's behavior change right, and right. humans don't want to think about the negative consequence of things. So they typically don't. Right. But uh, there's also a lot of research into, uh, you know, our propensity for loss aversion too. So like if we could start to frame and also, you know, the concept of learning transfer as well. So like, what do, what do folks already understand that we can associate with cybersecurity so that they can, you know, tap into their previous knowledge, prior knowledge of other things. Um, are, there, are there hooks out there that are, are relatively easy for folks when they're first starting to understand cybersecurity that you guys analogize to, to say like, this is the way, I mean, you're mentioning sort of hygiene as sort of one analogy, but, uh, but are, are there, related things when you're trying to act, trying to help a learner sort of assimilate what cyber is that you try to connect to? Yeah. I mean, certainly in, in uh, the, the popular sphere, we talk a lot about medicine uh-huh. and the relationship back to medicine. It's just a personal thing um, given my background, but, sure. um, but also when you're speaking to executives or folks in general, you really try to bring it back to other concepts of risk that they, un- that they do understand. You sort of say, you know, you, you understand reputational risk, you understand financial risk or operational risk. And so mm-hmm. from your perspective as an executive, don't think of cyber as something different. Just think of it as something that might affect those items mm-hmm. um, in a big way. And, um, and again, unfortunately, in today's world, it's not very hard to find case studies. In fact, it's, it's what's hard is keeping up with all the case studies um, these days. But one of the really interesting things that comes from learning science that we've been able to really leverage is... Um, you know, this concept of self-efficacy and uh, the really the idea um, of vicarious modeling, of really trying to create um, an environment where you're looking up to something or looking across the aisle to someone. Um, and so we'd use that pretty often. Um, and it works. It's probably the most effective tool we have in the toolkit to get people to listen, where we will do a lot of peer group comparisons. Uh, we'll do a lot of case studies of success, we'll mm-hmm. do, you know, much more than we'll do in failure, actually. And, uh, and to your point, that loss aversion, Mike, mm-hmm. it really plays well when you put it in the context of here's what the, you know, company next door yes. might be doing. Don't, within your don't be like that guy. Don't be like that guy yeah. or be like that guy if that guy is doing well. Right, right. And then just sort of a related point is outside of the uh, sort of the executive side, like what about 
you know, we talk about just general digital citizenship uh, for your entire life, you, you know, adult learners, and then also for kids. Like, how do we think about introducing cyber uh, to like a mass audience and, uh, and then particular, I'm particularly curious cause I know you have kids. Um, like how do we think about educating, uh, the younger set, uh, on, on cyber? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think uh, this is where it really starts to blend the whole kind of concept of digital citizenship. I know you've talked about it before on the show. It's, uh, it, you know, it's so critical when you're going through in that K-12 period, especially as the world is changing to a lot more internet inspired learning and interaction in general. Um, that's something that I think um, it, where cyber is going to become a lot more important mm -hmm. um, there. Not necessarily technical components of cyber, but um, I struggle with it myself um, on the personal end. I sort of say like, how much parental control do I really need to apply to what my kid is going through, you know? And and by extension, my kids become little mini hackers. Um, the more parental control I apply, <laughs> the better they become at circumventing. We've talked controls. about kid solving. That's a version of kid solving. Yeah, totally. Kids yeah. solving their way out of parental controls. Well, there's this game <laughs> called Roblox. You know, I don't know if Penny is, is yeah, too still too young. Yeah, still too young. But there's this sort of game called. It's not really a game. It's actually kind of like a game world. Mm. Um, and so they'll come to you innocuously and they'll say, "Well, I just need permission to play this game. It's called Roblox." And, and you give the permission, but then it opens up an entire world to about 3,000 games you know, <laughs> that you have no control over. <laughs> and so it's a real challenge with, uh, with, with, with children. Um, and, uh, and it's something that um, cybersecurity in its next generation is, is going to have to deal with. You, you've, you've spoken about artificial intelligence. Sure. Um, and uh, you know, it's hackneyed. It's you know, often overused and improperly used. Um, this is one area where data science and machine learning and all of those great concepts that we, we actually teach in, in one of our other units um, needs to blend together into cybersecurity. It's uh, ironically for a field that's so highly technical, it still requires a lot of um, people hours mm -hmm. to do the work. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, if you click on a, on an email, Brandon, just as an example, um, that, you know, and it might be malicious or something like that, that will go to someone at a security operations center, literally that one click will go to someone and, you know, they have to kind of look at it and say, nah, it was fine, you know, <laughs> right. and check the box. Yeah. Now, now multiply that by the hundreds of thousands. Right. And so the first layer of defense in cybersecurity, they call it the security operations center engineer. I think that's a layer that will basically all but go away with mm. the advent of machine learning and just some smarter technology. I think the first line of defense is is me. I'm just yeah. I just never open email. Yeah. I think they all could be in malicious. General? So in general. <laughs> so that's why I never get back to you guys. Right. It's like I'm always worried yeah, that you could sure. be trying to punk me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's interesting um, that cybersecurity has sort of showed up after all the digital sort of influence over our lives. And that, you know, I think, and, and through, through outfits like, like Cyber Vista, actually, I think that I hope it gets hard-coded into what we do. So it's not like we've got this new technology or this new way of interacting with one another. Oh, let's think about applying cybersecurity to it. It's that it becomes just more what we do, that the kids, as they're learning about how to use new technology, that they're also thinking about their own risks and implications and making more informed choices. Um, I, I hope that will happen. Um, and I think that, you know, as, as you move from phase one into phase next and next next, um, I think that, that Cyber Vista has a, has a role to play in that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And uh, we'd like to play that role. Um, 
and it's going to be super important. You know, it used to be that a phone was made for making incidental communications contact. You make a phone call and uh, then it became a great research tool, sort of like an appendage. And now it's sort of like an organ in your body. You just mm -hmm. can't live without it. And you end up with phantom limb syndrome if you forget <laughs> it at home. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I think that the importance of these um, of these devices and uh, the role that they play within our lives um, is only going to kind of elevate that the, the equivalent need for securing those devices becomes healthcare in a way. Sure. We're, uh, we're coming up on time. Um, any, uh, any recommendations for folks who might want to get involved in cybersecurity as a field or any folks, you know, out like, I, I don't know, you're providing classes in uh, certification mm -hmm. and just uh, for our listeners out there, um, you know, you said the group somewhat self-selects in, but uh, can you talk quickly about, you know, who who can kind of become a cybersecurity professional? What have your guys' experiences been like? And if there's any, you know, parting thoughts or, or recommendations for folks who want to learn more? Yeah, it's a, it's a great topic. We didn't touch on it too much. But um, as a field, it's uh, growing very rapidly. So there are about 280,000 open jobs in cybersecurity right now. Um, you know, you have an information security officer, their average salary is $280,000 also. Sure. Um, and so, you know, you have, a, you have a, an information security professional making twice as much as an entry-level physician um, in the field. Mm -hmm. And so that demand is going to bring interest into the field. The question is, how do you get involved? Um, there are lots of ways to get involved. The typical thought is that it's computer science, it's coding, it's all of that. But the actual reality is more of the cybersecurity uh, universe is, is really in jobs more around the social science. Mm. Um, you know, so a lot of it is um, threats and threat modeling and really kind of critical thinking skills, understanding what motives are on the other side of the waters and, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, and of course, it plays into the more technical uh, side of cyber. Um, so one of the things we're getting a lot more involved in is building these bridge programs so that folks in technology, folks mm. in the intelligence community, social science could really start to think a lot more about um, careers in cybersecurity. The second thing that I personally get a lot more excited about is um, cybersecurity conferences, which were typically really closed events. You, you know, it's for hackers, you mm -hmm. wear the t-shirts, you know, you're very skeptical of anyone you don't know. Uh, they've become a lot more open. Mm. So one community in particular called B-Sides, um, it's uh, a series of conferences loosely organized all over the country, prototypical. And, um, and they've really started to open up. So at every B-Sides conference now, they have a big kids program where the kids get to come in, uh, they get to take apart computers, they get to do lock picking. Mm. Um, so it's a really great way to engage in the K-12 community. And um, I know, you know my kids love it. We go to all the local B-Sides events, but it's, uh, it's anybody listening to the show you could you could take mm. a look at it. That's it. all these these hackers from the uh, from the eighties and nineties all grew up and got old and had kids. Like they had to do something with your kids, and you're going to these conferences. So well, it's it's how it works. Yeah, I no, I think that's I think that's that's good. That's a new opportunity. <laughs> we got a call from one of our sister companies, uh, sister Kaplan companies out in uh, in Asia, and uh, you know they sort of said, "We love your programs. We'd love to offer them out there." And I said, "Well, which program in particular?" And the answer was, well, the Certified Ethical Hacker Program. And I said, well, you know, there's something about offering the Certified Ethical Hacker Program on that side of the pond that might, you know, you know the ethical part is a state of mind, yeah. not, not a science of any kind. Yeah, sure. that, that may not translate super well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could definitely keep going on that. I know, I know we're tight on time, but the, the ethics piece is really, is an interesting one to raise there at the end too, because that's something that comes up a lot around dealing with artificial intelligence and, uh, 
and a lot of the industry, like you sort of, you almost have to get in the mind of, uh, of a perp to be uh, effective in your field. Uh, so uh, what's the best way to end, end gracefully? Because I, I just got, I got intrigued by that last comment, but I, <laughs> but I, know, I know we have a, a hard stop. Perps out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where, where can people, where, what, what website, Amjad, where can people find more about CyberVista if they are interested in the company itself? So the company uh, website is cybervista.net. And um, there, there's a lot of information there, not just for uh, the professionals in cybersecurity, but for folks outside of it as well. Um, and uh, as I mentioned before, those board and executive offerings we're starting to now bring down to the kind of more uh, to the broader masses, um, both professional and personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so very excited about that. Um, you know, and uh, and there are a lot of opportunities to, to like I said, engage in the field. Um, I would say the biggest takeaway in my mind is when you hear a story on the news, always try to understand who did it and mm. what they were after, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when, you, when you start Googling around those two questions, uh, the rabbit hole is a really fun place almost <laughs> always to go down. And that's going to do it for this episode of Trending in Education. Thanks again to CEO of Cyber Vista, Amjad Safarini. Uh, you can check that out at cybervista.net, as he just said. And of course, you can find us on Twitter, at Trending in Ed. Same on Facebook, at Trending in Ed. And it's trendinged.com, also trendinginteducation.com. We'll get you the same website as well. Looking forward to having you back next week as we embark on a new episode of Trending in Education.